Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. Not just the fact that you're everywhere all the time, Lord, but you manifest your presence where it can be felt and experienced, Lord, in places, Lord. Sometimes in our home, in our own quiet prayer time. But, Lord, you've called us together together with other believers in the church, Lord. In fact, you told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and even that much more as we see the day approaching. So, Lord, we see the day approaching, Lord, the day of darkness, the day of evil, the days of tribulation that are going to lead to your second coming. And, Lord, we know we need each other. We need to gather together. We need to worship in spirit and in truth. And truth is your word, Lord. Truth is what you have given us in the Bible. Lord, there's so many that hate the Bible. They hate your words. Think they can know you without the Bible. Lord, what kind of nonsense have, has happened in this world? God, you've given us your holy word and your spirit so that we can be sure we know the true and living God, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God in the flesh who died on the cross and rose from the dead, the only one who paid the price for the sins of mankind. There is no other. There is no other God. There is no other Savior. There is no other way. And that disturbs those who want to do it their own way or cling to their sin and their pleasures and lust and all these things. They want to cling to that instead of surrendering to you as Lord. Lord, I thank you for being in this place, Lord, in this church. Manifesting your presence, manifesting your power. I thank you for those that were healed last week. I thank you for those who are being healed right now. And Lord, we just, there, there needs to be a res restoration of reverence and the fear of the Lord in the house of the Lord, especially in the church. And Lord, we, we do fear before you. We do reverence you, Lord. And Lord, that fear just means we know that you mean what you say in the Bible. That is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And that we're all going to give an account for what we have done in this life. And some will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and enter into the everlasting life. And some will enter into everlasting damnation and torment. We don't want that for anybody. But the only way to escape the punishment for your sins is to surrender to Jesus Christ and believe he died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. And then you must repent and follow him and follow him according to his word in the Bible, not your own way. Father, we pray this today that everyone will understand that that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they reject it, there is no other way there's no other way to know god and have eternal life make that clear i pray in jesus name amen and amen you may be seated this morning see what they hate folks what they hate is that jesus is the way the truth and the life there is no other way 
Oh, they want to come up with different ways. Lord, have mercy. It's funny, too, how some of them want to take some of what Jesus taught, but not all of it. To me, that's just weird. How can you know the part you like is true and not the rest of it? You know, this Christianity is about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing him intimately in a real personal relationship. But that relationship with him and that knowing him has to be based upon the scriptures, the written word. If you don't know him according to the scriptures, then you don't know him. And if you deny or reject any of the doctrine that Jesus taught, the Bible is clear that you don't know him. We're going to look at those verses. If you choose to live a sinful lifestyle where you just do whatever you want, indulge whatever you want, and say, I know him, you're a liar, the Bible says. Because if you know him, you will turn from sin, you will follow him. You will hate your sin, by the way. You will hate Anything that could separate you from him forever. You know, I'm not ashamed. I get so much hate. You know, they just want me to be a nice little Christian New Ager. If I would just play along, just try to get along with these New Age fake Christians. And what I say, well, let me just define what I mean by a new age fake Christian. That's somebody that acts like they are Christian. They'll talk about God. They'll talk about Jesus. But then they start talking about frequencies and energies and how everyone is going to be with God no matter what. This whole universalism idea. Or universal salvation, as they call it. That everybody's going to be saved ultimately and go to heaven. I don't care if you're Hitler. I don't care if you're a serial killer or a serial pedophile. God loves you and you, 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 you go into heaven whether you want to or not. Sorry, folks. That is not the way it is. Now, let me show you something. Let's turn... First, let's turn. We're going to be all over the Bible this morning. Y'all don't mind? Because I'm, I'm going to teach, preach. That's the only way I know how to say it. Because I know I'm going to be preaching in between teaching here. So y'all just hang on for a minute. But I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 15. See, folks, if, if we don't continue... In the apostles' doctrine, we do not have Christ. We don't have Jesus. We don't have a relationship with it. Now, what, what has happened is Satan has come into some of these New Age, what well, I'm going to call them New Age Christians, and he has substituted a real relationship with Jesus Christ of the Bible and waiting on him to manifest his presence and the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, trusting him to do it, They've substituted it for and incorporated things like yoga, visualization, uh, 
mantra type repetitive prayers they have substituted these occult mysticism eastern mysticism now in christianity or catholicism particularly calls it contemplative mysticism or contemplative prayer they've incorporated these things and basically what they have done is they have substituted a counterfeit familiar spirit for the holy spirit so they 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 it's it's kind of like you know in the days of solomon before the temple they had shields of gold and when everything went bad and the kingdom divided Guess what they did? They said, well, we got we to gotta make sure everything looks like it used to look. So they made these shields of brass. Can I go ahead and tell you? They might look the same, but they're not the same. And there's a counterfeit out there. There's a counterfeit. How do I put it? There's a counterfeit spirituality that people are trying to put the stamp of Christian on. But it's amazing because they reject the doctrines of Christianity, they reject, and I say Christianity, I can say Christianity, the doctrines of Jesus Christ and his apostles and prophets. They reject that and create their own version of it. Now let's read this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if, somebody say if, you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. Oh, you mean you could believe this and then it become in vain, empty, worthless to you? Oh, yes. Paul's saying if you don't remember what I preached to you, how I taught you, what I taught you as an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you get away from that, you will not be saved. There's no once saved, always saved, taught in this Bible. It's always if. It's always if you continue. It's always if you continue in my word, as Jesus said. Always. Let's keep reading it. I'm going to read that again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand, but which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. Now, he's telling you what I gave you, I received directly from Jesus. Remember, Paul, after he was born again on the road to Damascus, went and spent three years in the deserts of Arabia being taught by Jesus himself. Jesus appeared to Paul and taught him the new covenant gospel. Y'all understand that? There are people out there even now trying to say Paul was a false teacher, a false apostle, let me tell you, that's, that's demonic lies right there, satanic lies. Oh, that one's floating around in that whole Torah movie. Y'all want to know why I'm so, so hot against the Torah nonsense? It's because this kind of crap that they start letting creep in. Paul's a false, false apostle. You better wake up out of that deception. But Paul said, I received this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Look at this. According to the Scriptures. Somebody say, according to the Scriptures. According to the scriptures. 
Do you think that God, the Holy Spirit, had him put that right there for nothing? No, he's letting you know. All of this, everything about what we believe, what saves us, what saves us from our sins, what saves us from eternal damnation, all of this, he says, is according to the Scriptures. Remember, we have Isaiah 53. We can go back to Isaiah 53 where it says he will be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace will be upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The atoning death of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was foretold in the Scriptures thousands thousands of years, some hundreds of years before he ever was born. But he says here, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then there's eyewitnesses, and that he was seen of Cephas, that is Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now folks, that right there, he is letting you know the gospel according to the scriptures. Now let's back up. Let's back up to Acts chapter 2. Like I said, I'm telling you, we're going to go through a lot of verses. A lot of verses today. Acts chapter 2. So this is the day of Pentecost where Jesus told them to go wait. After he ascended, after 40 days being seen of them, Jesus ascended back into heaven. They saw him ascend back into heaven. He told them, go wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. They obeyed, 120 at least were in the upper room praying, waiting for the promise of the Father, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So this happens on the day of Pentecost, 10 days later. So 50 days after Jesus was crucified, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, supernatural tongues. And then Peter stands up and preaches because there's a multitudes gather. And I'm not going to read the sermon. You can go read this. But he tells them that they killed the Prince of Life, the Messiah. They fall under conviction. He tells them they must repent of their sins. And then we get down to, oh, let's see. Well, we'll just read from verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, which means turn from sin. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the first thing it says. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Where did the apostles' doctrine come from? Straight from Jesus. And then after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came, and Jesus told them, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of what I said, what I taught you, and he's going to lead you into all truth, and he's going to show you things to come. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a comforter and a teacher who's going to stay with you. And so the apostles were established to establish the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of what we do call Christianity. You know, I had somebody attacking me yesterday because I happened to use the term Christianity. Guess what, folks? The apostle Peter, in his book, 1 Peter, said, if you suffer as a Christian, <gasps> you mean Peter accepted the derogatory term. Listen, when the world uses a derogatory term on you and calls you a Christian, meaning you're a little Christ, a little Christ fault, that's a compliment because that's what you're supposed to be. That's what it means. So it's not somehow evil to say Christianity. Oh, oh God. Or the word religion. Look, Christianity is the one true religion. There are other religions, yes. But the word religion is not evil. It's actually used in the Bible to describe new covenant Christianity or Christ following. It's called pure religion. Somebody say pure religion. <laughs> There's false religion. There's corrupted religion. The Roman Catholic Church is corrupted, perverted religion. But there is a pure religion. There is a pure New Testament, new covenant Christianity and church. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. All right. Come on now. Wake up. Y'all aren't Lutherans. They continued steadfastly. Were. I like I heard somebody say were. I, <laughs> why? Oh, why? <laughs> oh, continuing. Look, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Number one, fellowship, breaking of bread. Now, that, I believe, refers to both communion and eating together. And he said, and in prayer. But notice, everybody, every, I hear people out there all the time, doctrine, it's not important. Your doctrine, your dogma, that's what they call it. You know what dogma is just a term for, really? It just means the serious doctrines. Like, who is Jesus? Like, what is redemption? What happens to us after we die? How are our sins forgiven? How are we born again? How are we made right with God? I mean, there's a certain things that we cannot compromise on. We cannot water down. We cannot let it slip away. Put up Psalm 11.3 for me here. Y'all can turn to it, Psalm 11.3. Don't trust me. Turn to the, to the Scriptures. I love to hear the pages turning in church. Now, he says here, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations. Think about that. 
There are foundational doctrines and principles of what it means to be a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of the true God. Creation is one of them. I mean, there's people out there think that the creation story is not important. Folks, if you can't believe Genesis, you can't believe the rest of the book. But we're going to deal with that in a couple of weeks now, three weeks now. Oh, I'm going to deal with it thoroughly. It's going to be painful for some folks, but it's going to be liberating for a lot of people. But Satan, just say this with me. Satan is after the foundations. These foundational issues. Let's go to, let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all all right? I love this. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to read a little bit, y'all. Is that all right? I love this. Now, somebody asked me the other day, as I read this, I'm, I need to preface. We're going to start Ephesians 1, verse 1, but i got to preface it. Somebody asked me what I believe about predestination. They must be Calvinist. The only people get real worried about that, right? But Peter made it clear. He said that we are elect or predestined according to God's foreknowledge. Now, that's a big revelation there because what that means is, is that God formulated a plan for us. Like he formulated a plan not based on that it's fixed and he said it's going to happen. He can look ahead, his foreknowledge, and see the choices that we would make and therefore formulate a plan for us. But that doesn't necessarily mean we have to. We're not forced to follow that plan, okay? But God has formulated a plan. So when it says we've been predestined, we, have, we do have a predestined plan. That God has made for our lives, but you can choose because there is also free will. That's what the Calvinists try to do, do away with is that we don't have free will, that basically whatever God's will is, we have to do it. Well, if that is so, why are not everyone saved? Because the Bible says that Jesus, once he was lifted up, he said, I will draw all men unto me. That's John 12. Well, if Jesus is drawing all men unto him, why aren't all men saved? Why aren't all men following Jesus? Because they have a choice. They have a free will to resist and say no. And if they didn't, there wouldn't be any real love. They would just be robots. We'd be slaves. We have a choice. All right? So when, you, when I read the word predestined, don't start thinking that that demonic error called Calvinism is what it's talking about, because it is not. And I say demonic because it is from the pit of hell to say that some people are destined to go to hell while others are destined to go to heaven, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And they even say, that the true pure Calvinists say that Jesus didn't die for everyone's sins, just the elect, the chosen ones. That is a demonic doctrine that came from those Gnostics, and, it, and then Augustine adopted it, and that's where it all came from, folks. That's why John Calvin was burning people at the stake that didn't agree with him. He said, look, when Jesus says that there'll be people who will kill you will think they're doing God a service, John Calvin was one of them. 
That one, that's just a free little education moment. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you right now, what's written to the Ephesians isn't for everybody. Oh, what do you mean, Pastor Dean? Who did he say it's to? To the saints in Christ Jesus and to those who are faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. All right. Just so you know, he says, grace be to you and peace from God, our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should notice should is a doesn't mean shall or will should means it should be. But you have the condition you might not be if you choose to leave it. He says that you should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, if your Bible doesn't say through his blood, get you a new one. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might uh, gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, and after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that you believed were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or down payment of our, the inheritance of our redemption. Now, I want to jump down. I want to go over real quick. We're going to go over to chapter 2 real quick. Just go over to chapter 2. So I want you to see he's talking about the gospel. And what's been done for you? And then he says this, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. But he says you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What did we see a moment ago? What did they follow? As soon as there were new souls brought into the church, 3,000, we got to disciple people. What do we disciple them with? The apostles' doctrine. And what is the apostles' doctrine? The doctrine of Jesus. Now, let me go in and tell you something right now. The New Testament has more manuscript evidence from going dating all the way back to the first century when it was originally wit written, than any 10 books of antiquity. You understand that? Over 25,000 manuscript fragments, copies, going back to the first century. So if you throw out the validity of the New Testament, not only does it have more manuscript evidence than 
any 10 books in antiquity, but it has what? Archaeological evidence. And the Dead Sea Scrolls are both, right? Now think about that. Think about what we have. All of the archaeological discoveries from Pilate's pavement where Jesus was tried. Peter's house they found. There's all kinds of stuff. They found, you know, people talk about, oh, they weren't crucifying then. And guess what? They dug up bones with a heel bone with a, the nail through it. Because they crucified people. We, we saw that in the museum over here. So don't tell me. And then there's just, the, like I shared last week, the, the sheer amount of fulfilled prophecy. And then, of course, even secular historians. There are secular historians who admit that Luke's historical things that he talked about in his gospel in the book of Acts, that he is a historian of the top rank. And every time they think they're going to prove the Bible to be wrong, they dig up something that proves it right. That's the stones crying out, y'all. So, oh, somebody don't shout me down when I'm preaching you. This stuff is important. It's important for you to understand because the Word of God, the words, the Scriptures, what we have written here, and God told them to write it down. He told Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In fact, most people think Mark, Mark's gospel was Peter dictating it to him. But we have the teaching. We have the words of Jesus. And Jesus promised, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Put that one up there. People with this stupid Mandela effect. The devil is not changing God's words. Sorry. For your bad memories and the many bad translations of the Bible that are out there. But God did preserve his word. And he promised. Psalm 12 as well. He said he would preserve his word to what? All generations. Psalm 138. Y'all better get quicker up there. Psalm 138. He's magnified his word above all his name. You got it? There you go. Matthew 24, 35. He's magnified his word above all his name. Now, I want to show you something. Go, to, go put up Hebrews 4, 12. I'm going somewhere with this. This is all just the introduction. la di da di da di da Here we go. I'm going to translate a little word for you here in the King James, but it says, for the word of God is quick, means alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Everybody see that? Now let's go to, so the word, somebody say the word's alive, and powerful. See, it's not just words on a page here, y'all. It's not just written words. These are the words of God that he moved upon apostles and prophets to write down, that he's confirmed with fulfilled prophecy, archaeology, manuscript evidence. This, this book is like no other that there ever has been to prove not only that it is true, but that it is divinely inspired. God breathed. 
So, folks, as we as we get into this, let me just say this: the the temptation. If you go back to the temptation of Eve, what was Satan? What did Satan have to do to deceive her? What did he have to do? He had to cast doubt on what God had said and get her to go against it. There's no new trick under the sun. Y'all understand? And I don't care if it's a doctrine in the Bible you don't like, like the doctrine of hell and eternal damnation, eternal punishment. I'm sorry if you don't like it, if it's uncomfortable to you, but it's a doctrine of the Bible and very important one, which we're going to see in a second. But you don't get to pick and choose. You hear me? Where did I tell you to go to? Put up the, the Psalm 138. The Lord's magnified his word above all his name. Magnified his word. Somebody say magnified his word. Magnified his word. <sighs> oh, y'all. Peter said in 2 Peter 3 that Paul's writings were scriptures according to what the Lord had given him. Think about that. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Truth. And then what is truth connected to? For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Think about this. If you take the name of the Lord in vain, the Ten Commandments says you will not be held guiltless. You're supposed to watch how you use the Lord's name. And he said he's put his word above his name. Can you even fathom that for a second? So what is it if you just decide to belittle, cast aside, dis, annul, it's not important, I don't believe that. What you don't understand is you're insulting God. It's that simple. He went to a lot of trouble to make sure not only that we got the words he wanted us to have, but that he preserved them for us. And then there's going to be people like, ah, I don't really care what it. I like this part which says Jesus loves me. But I don't want this part which says Jesus is going to judge me. It's true. Here's what <laughs> God help us. Go to First Timothy chapter four. Paul's instructions to Timothy, the young pastor by the Holy Spirit. First Timothy. Four, verse nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception or acceptation, I should say. For there we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to what? 
doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly or completely to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Continue in the doctrine. What does the word doctrine mean? It means one, one definition says instruction, probably a better one is a systematic study of some topic or whatever through the entire Bible. All right? But we establish here's what the Bible teaches about healing or salvation or repentance or the creation. Here's what the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. That's how we establish. We never establish doctrine with one verse. Never. Anybody can take a verse and create whatever they want to create. But we have to go through the whole thing and establish. That's why, that's why I just love these, these pastors that still want to say the firmament is gone. Yeah, they say it was some vapor canopy that was around the earth and condensed, and that's what helped flood the Noah. But there's no more firmament anymore. And I'm like, you don't know the Bible at all. You have no idea what, what it is. But when you look at this subject, say the firmament, you got to go through the whole Bible. You know, it, the word firmament is used 15 times in the King James Bible. But you go through the whole Bible about it. What does the Bible say it is? Not what you or your Christian astronomers say it is. Like Danny Faulkner. See, Danny's a liar and dishonest. Because he doesn't go through the Bible systematically about it because his entire career is based on the false heliocentric lie. So, yeah, Christian astronomer. Man, that's like saying a Christian drug dealer. I, you know what? I don't, I don't hate or, or have ill toward Danny. I do hate lying, though, when you know you are. Where did I tell you to turn? I didn't? Okay, it was in my mind then. Go to, <laughs> go to 2 John, the second epistle of John, toward the back chapter 2. Now, I've preached on these before, but it seems like we have to be reminded of these every so often because these are some of those scary verses. Now, again, this is just a setup for, y'all got the video ready? Okay. So we're going to play just to, just to where he gets to that part. Because this is really, I guess we're going to call this Deceived Truthers Part 2 here. Because, Lord, I tell you what, man. Let's, let's read this. We're going to start reading at verse 7. So the second epistle of John, it's only one chapter. He says this, he says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Then he instructs them, look to yourselves 
that we lose not those things which we have wrought. Or he's saying, you, you, you pay attention, take heed to yourself so you don't lose what you've received, that, that you didn't believe in vain. Remember? And this is John. And then he says that you receive a full reward. And then he gives this warning. Whosoever transgresseth, I should say there, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Whoa, 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 time out. You mean, because Jesus taught when, when he said, before Abraham was, I am. When he said to the apostles, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, right? When he called himself the first and the last, the almighty, he was declaring himself to be God. So if you say Jesus is anything less than God Almighty in the flesh, you are departed from the word of God, from the doctrine of God, and you don't have God. You, can, you need to hear me right now. You do not have God if you don't have the doctrine of Christ. Oh, that just, I know it's just, a, oh, we just, we hate doctrine. We hate dogma. We just want to be free, do whatever we want. I know, I know. The human nature, the Adam nature we have hates rules. And we hate especially rules that are just immovable. Sorry, the way it's going to be, you fight this one, might cost you all eternity. But let's read this again. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Does everybody see that? Now the word transgresseth there, that's a present tense. Abideth not, present tense. So he's saying if you do, if you continue in, a doctrine that is against the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It's a clear doctrine of the Bible. Now, one, you do not have God, but if you will abide in it, guess what? Present tense. Ongoing, continuous action taking place in the present. Then you have both the Father and the Son. And you're not even supposed to receive people that are teaching, trying to teach spiritual doctrines or Bible stuff that's contrary to what Jesus taught. I'll give you, for instance, like the Jehovah Witnesses. I never invite them in my house. I never say, God bless you as they leave, because they teach Jesus is not God in the flesh. There is no hell. Only 144,000 are going to heaven. A bunch of other nonsense. Really deep down behind the scenes, they believe Jesus is really Michael the archangel. So we're talking about blasphemy, horrendous error. You, you don't invite them in to your house, or to your church. Oh, come on in. Go ahead and preach, there, Jehovah Witness. No, we don't do that. I don't bless them because God's not blessing them. They're teaching a false gospel. In fact, according to Galatians 1, they are accursed for teaching a false gospel. Now, do I hope and pray they wake up and repent before the curse brings its full weight upon them and they die in their sins and go to hell? for teaching a false gospel and leading people astray? I hope they do. But do you see it? Now, let's go to Luke 16 first, and then we're going to look at a video. 
Somebody say lots of scripture. Is that good? Isn't that, isn't that good in church that we look at the Bible? Instead of grabbing a verse and running for an hour and a half, preaching? Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's a place for that. This crazy evangelist can take one verse and preach for an hour. We need them to. But if you're going to learn something, you have to go through a lot of Bible, a lot of Scripture. It's called rightly dividing it. All right. Now, let's read this. This is Jesus teaching this. This is verse 19, Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed with purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom or paradise. And the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in the, thou in thy, in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from there. Basically, there's no getting out. There's no crossing over. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment." And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Boy, isn't that true? The majority still are not persuaded. Now, I could spend a lot of time establishing Jesus talking about Matthew 25. He said, the sheep and the goats. He said the sheep will go into eternal life, everlasting life. And he said the goats will go into everlasting punishment. Somebody say everlasting. everlasting. We see, and in fact, you can put it up, uh, Revelation 14, I think starting about verse 9, those who take the mark of the beast. This will be a rebellion, a disobedience to the scriptures, to what God has said. So those in these last days who end up taking the mark of the beast, it's very clear. He says the smoke of their torment will rise up day and night forever, and they will have no rest. There's, there's people out there teaching, well, the people that end up going to hell will just cease to exist at some point. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Say, so, well, Pastor Dean, that just sounds so mean and cruel. See, the problem is, if that's what you think, you have not yet come to realize how how God looks at sin and how the drastic measure that he went to to deal with sin, to allow himself to be beaten, spit upon, mocked, nailed to a cross to deal with sin. That's how bad it is. That's the, that's the price it took to deal with it. 
And if you don't have a grasp on that God takes this issue of sin seriously, and the wages of sin, he said, is death. And death is not ceasing to exist. It's being separated from the one who is life, and that is God. And he says here, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now, this is the doctrine of hell. This is a doctrine of the Bible. There is eternal punishment. In fact, put up Revelation 20, 11 through 15, I believe it is. And just so y'all know, the whole time, I've had no pain in my foot whatsoever. Hallelujah. Yeah. So what they said, don't stop preaching. He said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is Bible. Go to Revelation 21, 6 through 8. Oh, you're just one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Yes, I am. Because Jesus was. The apostles were. John the Baptist. He said unto me, this is Jesus, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh. Now, the word overcometh here means that you have to believe in him and walk with him and overcome the temptation to live in sin and walk with Jesus in a serious, obedient walk. He that overcomes this world, the temptation, the devil, everything. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the most unpopular message in Christianity today. And I'm not talking about the magazine. They would never talk about this anyway. You're not going to hear it. 99.99999% of churches will never talk about this anymore. Not hell, not eternal judgment and damnation. But it's one of those things, it's like a test. It's like a test, just like the, the homosexual agenda now, the transgender agenda now. All these things are testing the church of Jesus Christ, testing to see if believers are going to side with God when it's not popular in the world. Or are we going to compromise and side with the world and try to play both sides of the fence? See, I'm going to tell you right now, I know I'm going to stand before God and give an account about what I have preached. I will not stand there and have God tell me, you never warned them. You never preached on hell or you never said homosexuality is sin 
and wickedness and abomination because you were worried about the culture and being popular. Oh, Lord, never going to do it. Now, having said all that, let's play the video. Now, this is a video of Greg Reese. Now, I already had a suspicion that he was a New Ager or some kind of New Age Christian mixture of something. I don't know. You know, I know Alex Jones likes to talk up like he's a Christian. I, I strongly doubt that. All right? But I've been kind of waiting. But I noticed, well, let's just put up the picture first. I noticed a few weeks ago that Greg Reese did a video where... He basically acknowledged and praised remote viewing, this occult demonic practice, as something good and as something we should pay attention to. So he's, he was promoting multiple remote viewers warn of world-changing event at year's end, September 20th here, 2023. And look at 600,000-plus views where he's putting this out there. Now, remote viewing is simply trying to operate in... ESP, and all those occult supernatural abilities, trying to develop those. And it's actually, uh, the CIA funded it. They were doing it way back and bringing people in. And it's basically astral projection, um, but it is done by demonic power, y'all. All right. So this right here, big, big, big red flag. Okay. This guy has no clue as to what is God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, spirituality versus satanic, demonic spirituality. But then he finally came out and just told us. So let's play the video, more recent one. It came out, I guess, a few days ago, where he basically says and lumps Christianity in with Islam and Judaism as a tool of the elite to manipulate everybody. And then he said, and he tells you why. He's not he does, somebody said, well, if he was talking about Roman Catholicism representing Christianity, then he's right. I said, yeah, yeah, I agree, but he didn't say that. All he said was because Christianity teaches that people will go to hell. Ah, yeah, let's play the clip. So I don't get accused of taking him out of context. Let's just hear his own words. Go ahead. Just start it from the beginning. The dark cabal, herding us like sheep, is only able to maintain its power by staying invisible. The most effective way of maintaining invisibility is, and always has been, the art of dividing the masses. This psychological operation, known as divide and conquer, has been deployed for all of recorded history because it works, especially with organized religion, which is ruled by dogma rather than a personal relationship with God. Dogma is a belief doctrine dictated by a church, and if you were born into a dogmatic family, then you are raised to believe their dogma. As a result, you will see all conflicting religious dogma as evil. You will be divided and conquered. The main religions used to divide and conquer mankind are the three Abrahamic religions. Judaic dogma teaches the Jew that they are a member of the chosen race destined to rule over everyone else as a teacher of God's law. Islamic dogma teaches that all of mankind must somehow submit 
to Islam. And while there are reportedly 40,000 different denominations of Christianity, most Christian dogma teaches that Christians will live in paradise for eternity while everyone else burns in hell. Many people raised in these religions have been able to personally connect with God and liberate themselves from the device of dogma. But many others are stuck in group mind think. Okay, that's enough. Now you heard it for yourself. He didn't say anything about Roman Catholicism. So I agree, Roman Catholicism is not true Christianity. It's not biblical Christianity, nor has it ever been. But he told you, because of the doctrine of hell, that some people will, because Christianity, the Bible teaches that some will spend eternity in hell separated from God because of their sins and wickedness and never turning to Jesus. What he just did was set himself very clearly against the doctrines of Jesus Christ and the Bible. Now, here's the thing. Satan is the expert at mixing in truth with a lie. Now, the first part of what he said, the divide and conquer thing of the elite, yes, that is true. They've used this tactic. But Jesus made a statement very clearly, and this is in Matthew chapter 10, where he said, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. Now, when he says a sword, he's not talking about war. He is talking about the sword of his spirit, which is the word of God. And what Jesus says is if you stand for his word and you speak his word and you preach his word and you try to live his word, that word, that sword of the spirit, that sword of truth is going to divide. It will divide families. It will divide churches. It will divide governments. It will divide nations. And that's just the fact of the world we live in. This idea that we all need to come together and be one kumbaya. That is this false unity. Because false unity says this. False unity says we compromise our own beliefs and truth for the collective, for the whole. So we can all just get along. See, the one world religion that's coming, folks, it's not going to do away with any of these religions that are, he talked about. He's just, it's just that they're going to get them to put down where they stand for what they believe and unite. See, he, he, he's talking about, he's even talking about having a relationship with God apart from the doctrine of Christ. So what I'm telling you is, here is the perfect example of what I'm saying is that Satan is slick. And most people, I got people, people coming on my page when I posted this about this guy, coming on my page like, what are you doing? He's a truth teller. He's exposing the cabal. See, he's, this is where they deceive you. Because they do come in, and this is what controlled opposition is, folks. They come in and they give you some truth to gain your trust, and then slip in the false doctrine. See, put up Psalm 2 for me. The conspiracy, if y'all want to know what the conspiracy is, everybody loves all the conspiracies, right? A lot of them are true. But I'm talking about the big conspiracy. This new world order, this globalist conspiracy. 
Let me make you understand one simple fact about this worldwide conspiracy. Let's read it right here. Why do the heathen rage? This is Psalm 2, written by King David, by the Holy Spirit. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together to be what? Against the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Not against Buddha, not against Krishna, not against Muhammad, not against Allah, but against Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and against his anointed or the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? The conspiracy is against God Almighty, the one true God, and the Messiah, the Savior of all men, the one who died on the cross and rose again, the one who was prophesied, it's against that God, not any other. And all of Satan's lies are to lead you away from him. That's it. I don't care. We can talk about 9-11, JFK, assassination. We can talk about all of this stuff, the World Economic Forum. I know about it all. But everything that they do is to try to lead you away from believing the Bible and knowing Jesus Christ of Nazareth who died and rose again, knowing him and following him according to the scriptures. So I don't care what lie it is. And you know, I've always told y'all, remember, a wolf in sheep's clothing, when they first come around, they got the sheep, boy, they look like a sheep, like a sheep, right? Just rub on you, Nelsie, so love you up like a little sheep, like a little lamb. You go, oh, how cute. But what have I always told you? The wolves in sheep's clothing, though they sound like it, look like it, act like a Christian, act like they're sweet and nice and all this stuff, sooner or later to do the job that they're supposed to do as a wolf, they have to start doing wolf stuff. Meaning sooner or later, it's going to come out. They're going to step over the line, and then they're going to see if they've built up enough trust in you to get you to keep following them down the wrong path. Greg Reese. You see, that's why, look, going all the way back to 2008, 2009, I'm just going to give you a little example. Satan saw there were these private groups on Facebook in different places that were already talking about the flat earth biblical cosmology stuff. They were doing it in private. And it even came up. In fact, I have the video clip where it kind of slipped out in 2009 on InfoWars and Alex Jones mocked it and, and goes, yeah, I've been accused of trying to cover this up and grinning from ear to ear. Like, yeah, you are. I mean, the guy that's into every conspiracy there is, except for the biggest one there is, which lets me know he's a gatekeeper against, just against biblical cosmology, okay? And it's talking about Buzz Aldrin's his big buddy, and I'm like, you know he's a Freemason, right? It's pretty, everybody knows, he's a, it's not hidden that Buzz Aldrin's a 33rd degree Freemason, but he's your big buddy. You trust him. Uh, yeah, Alex Jones. The conspiracy is against Jesus, and it's against the Bible. Oh, you hear all kind of nonsense. King James. People act like the King James wrote this, like translated this. King James didn't translate this. He wasn't a translator. He wasn't a Hebrew and Greek scholar. He didn't translate the Bible. He ordered 
some very knowledgeable, very gifted Hebrew and Greek scholars to translate a Bible into English that he wanted. And do you know that the Roman Catholic Church tried to kill him over it? They filled the parliament full of explosives in the bottom when he was going to be there to speak, and it, the whole thing got discovered. They tried to kill every translator. One of the translators could speak 15 languages fluently. We're not talking about dummies here. Now, Again, did they translate everything perfectly? No, they're not. We lose, we always lose a little bit trying to translate from one language to another. It's not easy. They did the best they could, and I believe we have the best translation in English that we could get, but we still sometimes have to go back to the original language to, to better understand because they didn't always pick, look, they didn't always pick the easiest word sometimes to understand things. So we go back and we look at a Hebrew or Greek dictionary. And we get a definition of a word. But folks, the conspiracy is against the God of the Bible. Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jesus Christ. It's against him and against the scriptures. Why do you think, I mean, look, the biggest lie of them all, that he went to the greatest and elaborate work was to create a whole different system and idea of creation than what the Bible says. Spent hundreds and hundreds of years developing it. <laughs> but what is the purpose of it? People say, why would they lie? Why would these kings and rulers set themselves against the Lord and against his anointing? Why would they lie? Because they want to turn you away from believing the Bible. Trusting the Bible and thus finding the God of the Bible, the Savior of the world. Again, it's all about that. It's always been about that. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about this. Well, guess what? You might as well line up for the mark of the beast if you're going down that road. Oh, oh, here's, the, and I know this is going to, this is the big thing. Oh, it's just poetry. It's poetry. It's metaphor. Simile. Let me tell you something about poetry and allegory and metaphor and simile and illustration. Let me tell you something about that right there. When the Bible gives it, guess what the Bible says about it? All scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine. So let's just go and say there's something poetic, symbolic, metaphor, allegory in the Bible. Guess what? You have to find what doctrine is it teaching? Because if all scripture is profitable for doctrine, then I don't care what you label it. You literary goofball. I hated literature. They were all so smug. <laughs> poetry. Man's poetry is trash. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> our stories, our literature. It's all trash when you put it up against God's. But folks, I want to tell you right now, if the Lord said... He made a place for us to live that's like a tent. 
What has he given us? He's trying to give us little simple minds and understanding of what it looks like and how it's designed and its own pillars and heavens above and hells beneath. And you get what I'm saying? He's giving us a picture of what it's like. I mean, you know, the teacher, uh, you know, poor Faith, she was awesome though. Because see, Faith's been taught the truth since she's a little bitty thing. But, but we, you know, we've homeschooled her since day one. And so we use a Becca, which is the good, it's a good Christian curriculum. And it teaches them how to do cursive and do math real good. And I mean, it's a good curriculum. But when you get into the science side of it, so you, it was the hilarious. I listened to this class. The teacher had a, did she have an orange? She had an orange and she was trying to explain to the kids that the earth was round or spherical like the orange. And the kids, you go, she goes, like, what, would, what, what did she say? What would it be like something? Give, a, give me another example of what it would be like. And they go, pizza. Uh, and I mean, they started saying all kinds of, she kept saying, no, no, no. And they never would get it as a sphere. But the teacher was using the orange, right, because it's spherical, to try to show the kids what she believed the earth is. Yet God uses the term like clay under a seal, like something stamped down flat. There's many more verses along with that. And the picture over and over again of it being a tent to dwell in. Now, if God's given you that picture, that, that illustration, we have to figure out the doctrine that's being taught there. Uh, am I crazy or what? You know, even even the like when you say some of them say, well, well, you can't take all of it seriously and literally because you know the Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's not really a bad lamb, so literally a lamb. But again, what do we do? We take that he's the Lamb of God. So what does the Bible teach us about that concept? What does the Bible say? What is it trying to say? What does the doctrine say? And the doctrine is saying, he is the sacrificial lamb that's without spot or blemish. There's still doctrinal truth there. And if God says that he is sitting upon the earth, the firmament, and that he's looking at us as grasshoppers, and that it's like a tent that we dwell in, how do you get a ball out of that? That's spinning and flying. I, I I never seen a tent fly. I don't know. I guess those those magic carpets and you get what I'm saying. So again, every scripture, all scripture. I don't care if you label it poetic or allegory. It has it is establishing and teaching some doctrine. God didn't waste his breath and his time putting it in here. You hear me? Now, I don't hate Greg Reese. I'm not having any ill will. I hope and pray God opens his eyes to the truth and he comes to know Jesus. But guess who was the keynote speaker? See, in this flat earth biblical cosmology universe out here, we got people like me that know Jesus and believe the Bible. 
and we got New Age. Somebody asked me, you know, because uh, Nancy recently reposted my my presentation at the first international Flat Earth Conference in Raleigh in 2017. And somebody asked underneath there, they said, oh, is there going to be another one? And I'm sitting there going, not like that one. <laughs> that one, both sides were together for a little bit until the truth got told. Right? So they, have, they, they do have their own little conference. They had uh, put, up, put up the Danny Faulkner one. They had Flattoberfest. Flattoberfest. You know, it's funny. Danny went to their conference, but he never comes to ours. But just what did you see? There's old Danny. Went to Flattoberfest. So it was just a few weeks back. And um, let's keep going. I want to show you something here. Uh, go to the, the first pictures of their little New Age worship setup. Well, there's old Mark. Mark Sargent and I had breakfast there in Raleigh. Um, y'all see all this new age? And look what's in this right here. That's an occult symbol. That's a that's basically a hexagram with a six pointed star in a circle. It's witchcraft. There it is. And here's your little bowls down here. Your little Buddhist bowls. But I want you to see. Now, these people think because they have been awakened to the truth about creation that somehow they, have, they are now in relationship with God. And, you know, when God sent me there in 2017, it was to lay out to them clearly who is the creator. What is his name? What has he done? What does he expect? And they pretty much rejected it. And now they're doing this. But I'm just going to say it again, y'all. You can be a deceived truther. You know, in fact, there's going to be some, some deceived truthers that are going to be smart enough to not take the mark of the beast. And, and some of them may actually survive the tribulation period. And they're going, to they're going to be some of the people that actually go into the millennial reign and are going to have to see Jesus face-to-face -to, -face to even believe. I pray some of them get that opportunity. But it's not something you should roll the dice with. Because when the Bible talks about a war, it kills one-third of mankind, and hailstones that weigh 100 pounds coming down, and all the cities of the nations being destroyed, and all of the mountains moved, and the, uh, yeah, and the islands moved, and the mountains brought down, your chances of survival during that time aren't really high. Okay, But I want to put up this verse. Put up Hebrews um, 9. I think it's 25. I'm going to close. I'm going to quit preaching, y'all. It's only been a little over an hour because we didn't start. We didn't start at 11. Oh, I don't know. Skip down. Maybe down a few more verses. There it is. 27. Here it is, folks. It is appointed unto man, a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. As unpleasant as that is, that is our reality. 
If you are not a born-again Christian walking with Jesus at his second coming and you are raptured, taken alive, if you're not in that group, then you have an appointment. And nobody likes to talk about this appointment because it's with death. And your following appointment is going to be standing at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. A lot of people think standing at the judgment seat means, well, you're just going to be judged according to, you know, what your works and they're going to be burned up and you're still going to be saved. No, 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 no. That's going to happen to some people. But some people are literally going to hear the words, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. I want to tell you right now, this is why I preach the way I preach. Why I take my time and go through the scriptures about these things. Because I won't be standing there with you. There won't be. Mama won't be there. Grandpa won't be there to help you. You are going to give an account for what you believed, who you followed, how you followed, how you lived your life. And you say, well, Pastor Dean, why is this so important? Let me tell you why it's so important to live for Jesus according to the scriptures. Because Jesus said, you do it my way, you do my will, you're going to gather with me. You're going to be an influence for good, and you're going to bring other people to know me and be ready to stand before me and have eternal life. But if you do it your way, and you're a bad example, and you're a rebel, and you have your own doctrines and your own spirituality, that is not according to the scriptures. You are going to lead others astray and you're going to give an account because blood's going to be on your hands just like you killed that person. You understand me? This is why God is serious about truth, biblical truth, because you're going to give an account. And if you led people astray away from the doctrines of the Bible of Jesus Christ, and his apostles and prophets, you lead people away from that, you are going to be looked at as a serial killer. You understand? This is not a game that God is playing. Jesus said you are either gathering with me or you're scattering. Put that verse up for me. You're gathering with me or you're scattering. So what are you doing? See, the reason I preach, somebody say, well, Pastor Dean, you know, some of this stuff you preach, it, it, calls, it offends people. It makes people walk away. Let me, let me tell you. Here's what you do. Pastor Troy knows this. Anybody really knows the Lord and is willing to preach the, the, the whole thing knows this. Our job is to preach the whole thing. And what God has promised to do, if, if I will preach the whole thing, he has promised, I know he's going to anoint it and he's going to use it to bring the ones in that are going to listen, that are going to yield. He already knows about the ones that are going to walk away. I'm not supposed to water it down to try to keep those that want to walk away. That's not my job. Jesus didn't do it, and I'm not going to do it. And I know hell in eternal damnation, eternal punishment, eternal judgment, the torments of hell, the fire of hell. I know that's unpleasant, but I'm sorry. He is trying to warn us. Don't go there. You don't have to go there. There's been a way made for you to not go there, to not ever even be in danger of going there. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he shed his blood. 
So you don't have to be, you don't have to receive the punishment. It's like being a, a serial killer and somebody coming in and they're about to electrocute you. You know, we've got the, the electric chair here in Alabama and we got, I think, lethal injection. I think either one. But it's like somebody coming in and saying, you know what, I'm going to take their place. Can you imagine? You deserve to be executed for your crimes against humanity. And Jesus stepped in and said, I'll take it for them. But here's what you have to do. Go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. See, it's not unconditional. It's not everybody's going to get it just because he did it. You have to have faith. You have to choose to repent. You have to walk in it. You have to walk with him. You have to obey him. You have to walk according to the new covenant commandment. I mean, I, can you believe I got accused of being like a lawless preacher? Me. <laughs> the one that says you can't live in adultery and fornication and idolatry and unforgiveness and, and go to heaven. They obviously don't know me very well, do they? I asked somebody the other day, I said, do you, do you, have you ever listened to anything I preach? <laughs> I think you're just assuming Let's stand. There it is. Matthew 1230. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You gather people by preaching what Jesus preached. What the apostles preached. What he gave them to preach and teach. And they wrote down what he told them to write down so we would have it. This is what we go by, nothing else. See, the world out there, look, even in the truther community, there's a lot of things that's misinformation, false, deception, there's no proof, there's no evidence. Some of it's completely fabricated, just like, and what's, what's wild is there'll be documents out there they will believe. They don't even know where they came from. They don't know the source. They don't know the origin. They don't know who did it. And they'll believe that and not believe this. That is messed up, y'all. So I pray. Let's just pray. Father, I pray. I thank you for those that have been awakened to the truth of your creation. I thank you, Lord, for those who have awakened to what's going on with the satanic New World Order crowd and their agenda to take our freedom, to create a world government, to mark us, to chip us, to follow us, to track us, to control everything we do, everything we buy and sell. I'm grateful that people are awake to these things, but if they don't come to know you, if they are not born again, as Jesus said, no man will see the kingdom, the kingdom of God, unless they are born again. And that means they must believe Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead. And the Jesus of the Bible, God in the flesh, who lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, started his ministry in Galilee, 
that Jesus. That they must be saved by the gospel that is according to the scriptures. Or they're not saved. And there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the only way to escape the punishment that we deserve for our crimes is to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. To turn from our sin and become a disciple, a biblical disciple of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you promised that anybody that does that with all of their heart and follows you according to your word, that you will come and manifest yourself to them. The Holy Spirit will come and bear witness that they are a child of God. It's not just a creed. It's not a religion. It's not some man-made religion. But it's something that if they will do it according to your scriptures, your Holy Spirit will come and bear witness upon it. So I pray, Lord, for anybody that's not truly born again, that today they will surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to his atoning death and his resurrection and to his word and to follow him according to the scriptures that they might be saved. Now that's you today. Let's do that. Um, I'll pick one of the good ones there. But if that's you today, if you need to give your life to Jesus and you haven't ever really surrendered And you said, I'm going to do this today. If you need to do that, as this song plays, as we worship, then I want you to get up and come down here. I want to pray with you. But if you have, praise the Lord you have. Amen.